Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to a brand new series of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about influence, using influencing for good, where pressure can arise as a role model and the power that comes from sharing our differences. So joining me this week is Tasha Gorey. Tasha is a dancer, model and reality TV personality who you probably know best from her time on the summer 2022 season of Love Island. Tasha made history as the first deaf contestant, educating fellow Islanders about what she calls her superpower and placing fourth with boyfriend Andrew. Since leaving Love Island, she's amassed over 1.5 million followers on Instagram and used that platform to promote awareness for the hard of hearing community, as well as notably highlighting secondhand shopping through her content and partnership with eBay. Show like club I don't see much diversity and representation. So mm-hmm. going in, I had to kind of be like, right, I had to make a positive impact because that's what it's about. Is you know, I want to change people's perspective on people with superpowers. So I want to ask you about some of the different ways that you've kind of personally used your influence. But first, should we talk a bit about influence and influencing? in general I guess because you had an Instagram following of like a decent size before Love Island right through the other work that you did but how has the experience been different kind of after coming out of Love Island and having that much bigger platform to work with? I think you know before Love Island I tried to use my platform as much as I could even though I had a small following I really was trying to raise awareness as much as I could so coming out of the show and having probably tripled the size I did before it's quite mm. the time is quite overwhelming I was a bit like oh, okay like I didn't know what to do but at the same time I kind of had to think it's not really any different the only difference is you've just got more people supporting you and that's kind of how I see it is the people that follow me as my supporters because they follow me for that reason is to support me and obviously come with negatives as well obviously when you're on a big show like that it's not always just you know, it's not always the grass is green on the other side. It's pretty, it can be quite mm. intense sometimes. And I think I'm still kind of getting used to it a little bit, but I'm still using my platform for what, for what I'm passionate about. You know, I want to make a difference and talk about my experiences to help other people. And that's why going on the show, that that's why I did what I did. So yeah, I think that's why I was kind of using my platform to do that. But it has been a massive change for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a really nice way to look at it, actually, that it's the number of people following you. You're like, they're there to support you. Like, I, I quite like that. I don't think I've heard anyone say it like that before. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting to hear you say, because I mean, so I watched your season of Love Island. I haven't watched it for years and years, but I've watched like a couple of seasons. I watched your one. Yeah. But I feel like whenever you hear people talk about going on Love Island, mm. all anyone ever says is, you know, well, I went on to find love. And at this point, we're kind of like, well, sure, like, that's a nice bonus. But that's not a guarantee when you go into a show like that. But what you do know is going to happen 
most of the time these days is you're going to end up with a much bigger audience than you than you had when you went into mm. the show right why do you think that's such a draw for so many people now and I mean you did just say that using using that platform yeah. was going to be important to you yeah I think you know going on the show I went for two reasons was to genuinely find someone and also mm. to raise awareness about my cochlear implant and my deafness so you know being the first person that was kind of deaf and hearing impaired it was scary for me I was literally like I don't know how it's going to go but I thought you know what I'm just going to go in be my authentic self and see what happens and I think like you said, it can go two ways. You can come out and have a big following or you can come out and not. So mm. it really does vary and you can't go in with a plan of like, I'm going to walk out with, for example, a million followers, one million followers of TikTok, etc. You can't, you have to be very open-minded to where a situation come out on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to get. And that's why going in, going in on the show, I literally watching like, okay, whatever happens, happens pretty much. And I have to be open-minded. And you can't go in with expectations as well because you'll let yourself down if you don't come out with those expectations. Um, and I think the reason why it's come so influenced, I think because Love Island gets so many viewers watching that programme. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the biggest top viewing programmes in the UK, probably in Europe. But And I think people just get really invested in um, their relationships that come out of the show. So mm-hmm. I think that's why the followings are quite big, you know, because people want to know how's it going after the show. It doesn't stop when the show ends, you know. It's crazy. Like, yeah. even six months on, people are still so interested in me and Andrew and, like, what we're up to and what we're doing. So it really is interesting in how crazy... It's crazy when you think about it. People really, really do care about, you know, you, you, you as a couple and stuff, even after you, after the show. Mm. Yeah, which I mean is is a good thing, really. I guess because it's the longevity, like it's such a change to your life that it would be, mm. it must be quite different if that you know goes away more quickly. Because I know, like, obviously people all have a lot of different experiences. Not everyone comes out and has the exact same experience after the show. Considering what you said about coming out and having more followers, you were saying is kind of it's it's the same thing but just with a bigger audience how does the experience differ of kind of having that platform increase in size and interacting with people on social media how is that different from the other kinds of sort of media attention that you'll now get from say things like tabloid newspapers and stuff like that yeah I mean obviously tabloids and newspapers comes in as well so there's mm-hmm. a, there's a there's a whole in the world like I've never been in a newspaper before and I was literally like seeing my face on newspapers and stuff is literally like it, it was weird to kind of mm. see that and I think the difference is obviously you've got big like have more of a bigger audience bigger platform and I think there's more of a magnifying glass on me and Andrew you know because we're, we're a couple we're together on that show so it's kind of mm-hmm. like everything we do it really is on a magnifying glass. And I think that scares me a little in terms of I'm quite a private person. So let's keep things quite private between me and Andrew, especially my friends. I keep them very private. Like I don't really post them much on my stories and stuff because I don't want trolls then going to them and, you know, sending them messages. Yeah. That's the thing that changes my mentality. Like before I'd be like, out oh, of my friends, I'd be like, woo, like out oh, of my besties. Whereas now I wouldn't really do that as much because you just don't know like who's going to go and message my friend like, being a troll and stuff and I don't want that responsibility on them so that's kind of like the different big difference for me like coming out and I think also 
always been engaged in like you know social media is kind of now my job because I'm mm-hmm. having to constantly be engaged on there I'm constantly having to you know make sure that you know that the, like the brands I'm working with make sure like they're on time like you know there's a lot of things that play into it now and sometimes can get really stressful there's been lots of times where I've literally just wanted to like throw my phone to be like ah! but because it can get so overwhelming but I think obviously the first five to six months it's very crazy because there's a hype around like the irons have come out they spent 11 weeks in the villa and it's all like very crazy but now it's starting to kind of calm down a bit it's quite nice and but yeah I think you know I'm like so grateful because I came out to a lot of support and a lot of positivity whereas before in the show I had quite a bit of an up and down in there but coming mm-hmm. out came out with to a lot of support and I think that really made it better for me that's good that's I'm glad to hear that actually yeah because it's I mean following the show when you were on it there it was a very kind of like rocky up and down kind of experience for you it, mm. it looked like on the screen anyway so I'm I'm glad it felt supportive when you came out I mean you did say though about trolling and kind of people messaging your friends and stuff like do you think that's is that something that you've experienced a lot of like has that been a big yeah. part of the kind of influencer experience for you Definitely. I think especially when I was in the villa, my friends and family had it really bad because they had to deal with it. I don't have my phone in there. So it's heartbreaking to come out and see the things that were said about me whilst I was in there. And I was literally like, that's not me as a person. And Mm. that's the thing with putting yourself on a TV show is that those things are going to happen. Like you are going to get trolls, you are going to get negativity and for me, it's got to a point where ableism was involved. Like there's TikToks of people taking me out of my voice. People were saying I would get hearing aid and throw it into the pool. Like it's crazy how people can get so invested in that one person to rip them apart. And yeah. that's that's why you have to be so mentally strong to go on a show like that. And coming out, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's still quite a few negative comments, but there's probably like 1% out of 99% positive comments I see. So I always focus on the positive ones and don't focus so much on negative ones. And I think if you focus like that, then you're not really going to, because if you go looking for it, then you're constantly going to keep looking for that one bit of like negativity. Mm. So I think that's why you have to always focus on the positives. And if you focus on the positives, then you're going to be absolutely fine. But I think the hardest part is knowing that your friends and family have to deal with it all because they're the ones that are having to have your back whilst you're in there. Yeah, definitely. Is that, I mean, that must be, because some people in, if they're, you know, working as an influencer, I guess they'd have the same sort of thing where they might keep their family quite private, but they might also Mm. keep, you know, like a partner quite private. But for you and Andrew, both kind of doing the same kind of influencing work now, have you found like there's much difference between the two of you and hit like his experience as a man in that kind of space and yours as a woman do you think it's a very different sort of experience I think for Andrew it's a whole new world to him before he's doing real estate in Dubai like he never really he never knew how to use TikTok like he was so like oblivious to how to use even do like a TikTok video and stuff so right. coming out whereas before I was doing modeling and I was doing you know, kind of social content. I think that mm-hmm. kind of, I already was kind of tied in with that a little bit. So to come out for Andrew is literally like, oh, Tash, I don't know how you do a TikTok. I don't even know like how to do posts and stuff. So <laughs> it tied in quite nicely because I've been like helping him like, you know, do the things that he needs to do. And I think in the influencing world, I think it is harder for guys to kind of get like brand deals and stuff. 
because the girls are so much out there. You've got like makeup, you've got hair, you've got clothes, you've got shoes, you've got skincare. There's so many things, whereas for guys, it's a little bit harder to um, try and find your feet a little bit. So obviously, Andrew's, Andrew's passion is real estate. So he still wants to focus on that, but also do a little bit of, you know, clothes and stuff. But he's got a niche and it, I think it's quite important to have a niche when you come out mm-hmm. and like that niche will really help you with longevity in the future so I think like it has been a bit hard for I think I think it's just hard for guys which is really strange because you think it'd be quite the same but it's actually for girls you see all these girls getting massive brandles and stuff and the guy's not really doing so much but I think that's just because of more what's out there and like a lot of more like girlier brands I think to support the show Mm-hmm. yeah I mean that that makes sense it must be I feel like when you talk about men versus women on social media it's quite it's usually from kind of you know quite a different perspective than that but when you look at it and the kind of influencer world like as a job yeah, yeah. I can see that there must be things for men that are actually a bit more difficult which isn't isn't usually the case with a lot of these things so that's an interesting one so we've obviously mentioned already about you basically one of the reasons you wanted to go on the show is to bring sort of awareness to the hard of hearing community I feel like you were very intentional with using very kind of like positive language around around being deaf and you know would describe it as your superpower when you were talking to people about it was that quite important to you to kind of go in and not only sort of spread awareness and be that kind of role model but to make sure you were speaking positively about it from the outset definitely I think you know a show like Love Island you don't see much diversity and representation so mm-hmm. going in I had to kind of be like right I had to make a positive impact because that's what it's about is you know I want to change people's perspective on people with superpowers from negative to a positive because there is a lot of like negativity and how people see people with superpowers that they see them as different when really that's not the case like we're all equal the only difference is that maybe I wear a cool thing around my ear that's literally it mm-hmm. and so that's why going going in on the show I was kind of like I'm going to walk in and be open and the first night I was so nervous to tell everyone but I thought I'd rather get it done get it out of the way yeah and rather, rather doing it one by one because that would just take probably the whole night to do that so I just thought <laughs> yeah. let's get everyone together and and I was so nervous, but I felt so much better because I knew that me doing that was going to help so many people out there watching, you know, you know, younger generation with superpowers being like, if she could be open about it, so can I. Mm-hmm. And that's why that moment was so pivotal because I wanted to show people you can be open and no one's going to judge you for it. And I didn't get judged. Like, everyone was so welcoming. They were literally like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I'm not going to judge you or treat you any different so that's why I went with a positive impact and even throughout the show I had conversations with Andrew like we had so many conversations more about how it worked and even to like some of your writers and I just wanted to keep doing that throughout the show because it's a part of me and I don't want to hide away from that that that's part of who I am so I always wanted to make sure that people that were watching with superpowers could also be like, I could be like her one day. And I just want to give that confidence to people. And I feel like there's such a stigma around people with superpowers that can't date, can't find love, mm-hmm. all these things, can't be confident. That's why I went in being confident and being who I am, because you can be these all these amazing things. Yeah, so there's, I'll come on to asking you questions that people have sent in in a little bit. But yeah, well, I'm definitely going to be asking you questions from people about kind of finding that confidence with like an implant, for example. So 
yeah, I think that's definitely from the messages I've had even for the podcast. Like, I think you've definitely done that job of, you know, showing an example of someone being really confident with it. So that is great. How do you find the sort of balance of, because I think it's, it's one of those, as you were saying, it's kind of trying to show a positive example, but also trying to show that you're kind of no different from anyone else. I think that can be quite a, a difficult sort of line to tread sometimes between fitting into that kind of role model, kind of pressure to be a certain way and pressure to be a role model. Or the other side of saying, you know, I'm just a normal person. I just happen to have this thing that's different about me. Is that kind of, do you feel you go between those two things? I get where you're coming from. I think it's hard now because I think I kind of do, I don't really feel the pressure in terms of like, I have to be this kind of role model. I think, I think me being me is enough, if that makes sense. I think Mm. what I'm doing and how I am is like me as a person. So I feel like, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough sometimes. I do have days where I'm like, I feel like I'm just not doing enough in terms of I've got now, I now have this platform. I sometimes think I should be doing more. But then that's also like you can't do everything in the day, you know. It takes yeah. time. And I sometimes just take that pressure off myself because I do that quite a lot. I'm like sometimes I say to, to myself like, oh, I feel like I should be doing something. But I am working on something. I've got a project of my own coming up and that's happening soon. It's like, because that's going to happen soon, then that's going to take that pressure off me because it's something I'm passionate about. So it's kind yeah. of like, it's kind of wishy-washy sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I should be doing more, but I feel like I need to remember I am doing enough. And yeah, I definitely feel like it can be a bit pressurized sometimes, but it's not in terms of people giving me that pressure. I do it to myself, really. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes total sense. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's, yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely a difficult balance. Like, I would even find that just from, you know, someone who's got like a large Instagram platform, like for example, that, yeah, I think it is quite often that pressure that you put on yourself to do something good with it. Yeah. Was that, has that always been something that's important to you? I feel like it is, we're starting to kind of see a little bit of a change in the sort of influencer world, if you like, where people are Mm. use it well a lot of people anyway are kind of using those platforms to take causes that they care about and talk about them more do you think that's something that people expect more now a hundred percent I think you know kind of back in I think a few years ago I feel like Instagram was very like you have to be this perfect girl perfect body you have to be you know a certain way like blonde hair like etc and I think now nowadays social media is so much more I see so much more representation on social media. I think mm. TikTok's what started it. I think TikTok really started to break that boundaries and stigma around you know having to be this perfect person. And I see so amazing, amazing influencers using the platform for good. And you know, you know, like like so many, so many incredible people out there that use it for the better. And I think people expect that now more because it's normal. Like it's mm-hmm. human, and I think. Even when I post a picture about on my Cochrane plan, like people still like get shot, like not shot, but people still sometimes get surprised that I post that, and I'm like, well, it's it's normal. So I think it should be more normalised. And there's so many like it's definitely opening up a lot more, and it's nice to see that people use their platform, like even people with superpowers or you know, I'm trying to think like 
for example, Millie, she was on Love Island two years ago mm-hmm. and she suffers from acne and she talks about it openly on her social media and, you know, she gives advice on how to work with it. And I think that's great. And that's how it should be. It's like, you know, you can use your platform and share your message and you're going to help so many other people out there and inspire so many more people. And I feel like that should be the power of social media is, you know, you should be able to influence and inspire many people. And I think if that continues the way it's going, the world's going to be such a different world. And I think the world's going to be more accepting, if anything, hopefully, if we keep going that way. And I think I think it needs to, it needs to happen because I think there's so much pressure, especially for the younger generation, having to be Instagram models, having to be perfect, like having to live this Instagram life. And I think now that people are starting to break through that, it's taken away from that. It's actually, let's be real on Instagram or social media. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, be real. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like that's that's <laughs> like the new the new platform that everyone's using, and it is that that seems to be what everyone's kind of craving, right? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, he talk about TikTok. So I don't have TikTok. I don't use. It. I downloaded it once, and like it sucked <laughs> like three hours out of my life. And I was like, oh, I, I'm not ready for this. Not ready for another <laughs> another piece of my time to go. But I feel like I've heard different different things about tiktok like i think as Mm. far as i've kind of got the impression of it there's a lot of maybe more kind of casual sort of content on there like it's maybe not as curated as people still think instagram is a lot of the time but i have also heard it's it's very trolley tiktok as far as as far as i'm aware is that true i think on mine i haven't really had much trolls on mine i probably get a few negative comments but i literally just delete them i'm just like i really don't i really don't want you to ruin my day so i'm literally like delete block and i think Trolls are going to be everywhere you go. Like mm-hmm. tw- Twitter is probably the the worst place for that with yeah. trolls. Twitter is the deadliest place ever. <laughs> advice to anyone, you know, if you're going to show, just don't have Twitter. <laughs> but, Good advice. Yeah, and then I think that's just something that comes along with it, unfortunately, and you can't get rid of them. And it, as hard as it is, you just can't get rid of it. And I do on TikTok though I do have they have like a um this might be good advice actually I'm setting this somewhere they have actually where you can actually um, type in keywords and it won't come up on your profile so you won't see it for example if someone uses swear words or call you like a nasty name mm-hmm. you can able to block that word out so those words don't come up on your comments and it blocks that so I put on so many like nasty words and stuff and nothing comes nothing comes up relating to that and you can also have like a monitor that kind of monitors you can have it on like a higher setting and it can really mm. monitor your the comments but it's it's hard because you just can't get you just can't get rid of them and you just kind of have to really block them out and it's hard to say that because even sometimes it gets to me sometimes and it's it's one of those situations where you just really have to think you know what I'm better than that I'm going to keep my head held high and don't stoop to that level and you know use that as motivation to do better and even to work harder to prove them wrong yeah love that I think it's it is one of those things isn't it like you can't it's it's obviously easier to say than it is to do but like you can't control other people's behavior but you know even if you can't stop people saying nasty things doesn't mean that you know the onus is on you to have to read the things like absolutely I totally agree like blocking those kind of the the rude like comment words and like blocking people in general if they've got that to say like 
just because they're going to make those comments doesn't mean that you have to spend your day reading them kind of thing. I'm I'm definitely here for that kind of energy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's how you got to think of it. You've got to think, well, you're wasting my time, so I'm going to waste your time and yeah. not read it. <laughs> yeah. You keep screaming into the void. I can't even see what you're saying anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so another way that you have been using your platforms which I think is fair to say is like a pretty unusual for you know an ex-Love Island contestant is to talk a lot about secondhand shopping which is something I'm a big fan of personally and we've kind of we've (laughs) talked a lot about sustainable fashion and things like that on the podcast before so I'd love to just ask you a little bit about that really like is that something you've always been interested in? I think definitely even before the filler I used to shopping like Shoreditch, you know, like Camden, Brick Lane. And I've shopped on eBay before, like Depop. And being in the filler, I think it really massively changed my perspective. And the things that eBay were giving us, actually like, wow, like as if this was an eBay. And I really could not believe it. Like some of the stuff, like I was wearing like vintage Versace from like years Mm. ago. And I was actually like, what? Like I never wore Versace before. And I literally was like, I'm wearing Versace right now. (laughs) And I just think coming out of the villa and even before kind of understanding fast fashion and Mm -hmm. the ethics and the morals behind it. And I've learned so much more coming out of it now, like really deep down into it. And I literally, I remember when I came back, I went into my room I chucked away everything that was fast fashion. Not chucked away, I gave it away to charity. I didn't like throw yeah. it out. Everything, like there's probably about 14 to 20 bin bags full. I literally was like, I'm getting rid of everything. Wow. And I think because it's crazy how much, you know, people's views can change. And now that I'm kind of like, my views have massively changed. And I've always loved vintage because a lot of my best friends um, are really cool, like fashion, like people. Mm. And they wear like vintage stuff and like they massively influenced me as well. And I'd be like, where did you get that from? They're like, Brick Lane. I'm like, what? I was like, no way. So I think it kind of, it kind of like, it really did start to happen in the filler. But I think after and being in the filler, it massively changed my perception around it. And then obviously eBay came to me and said like we'd love to work with you and I was like 100% and I think if anything it's probably the perfect collaboration between us two because I love my fashion and I love like I also love up- upcycling as well like sometimes I like to take clothes and I chop it up change it up and mm-hmm. I'm like actually it looks so much better than it did before and now it's so good to know I can also use my platform to share my views and my messages and you know of course like it's hard because it's all about making those little swaps, isn't it? You know, it's all about mm. making those little changes. And then eventually you ho- you open up to a whole new world out there. Like it, you really do. Yeah, definitely. Do you think people were quite surprised by that kind of partnership? Like in terms of if you were, you know, kind of like reading comments that you had from it on social media and stuff, do you feel like that did make an impact on your audience that they wouldn't have expected you to be doing that? Definitely. I think I think being in there I had quite a lot of praise about my fashion and I, I honestly did not expect it coming out. Everyone's like, oh my God, Tasha, like, you know, fashion and stuff. And I literally thought I was just being like wearing like normal things. So I think <laughs> I felt like there's a bit of pressure in terms of who I was going to partner with because mm-hmm. I don't think people expected eBay at all. I feel like people really look at eBay in such a negative way because they think, oh, eBay. And it's like, actually, no, eBay's a great platform and they're a great company. And what they stand for as well, they are great as a whole. So I think people were definitely shocked for sure. But I think it was more of a positive shock. It was like, 
yeah you know it's like finally someone's done it kind of thing and and I had a few other brands you know wanting to come to and I said no I was like eBay's the one for me and I was like I just I don't know like you know we just feel it in the bones I was like and for other reasons why I want to do eBay because you know I want to work with kind of like higher end kind of like designer brands and stuff and mm-hmm. I love vintage that plays a massive part into that and obviously showing much more about sustainability and it's better so much better for the planet as well so I think a lot of people were definitely shot for sure but I think people like it makes sense kind of thing yeah I mean that's that is the good part isn't it I mean as you say, like changing people's behavior, it doesn't always have to be, you completely change everything about yourself overnight. But especially, as you say, with with different brands and like designer brands, I feel like are maybe more, more common or more accepted, like in a, in a resale market, because I think people have I don't know, kind of maybe just inherently a bit more respect for kind of like the label in the clothes. And it, it makes sense that they were like, oh, well, you can't throw that away because it's from XYZ designer. So do you think it's kind of about sort of gently leading people in to secondhand shopping? And then, you know, people will sort of realize, oh, well, I, I bought that secondhand because it was from X designer this is great yeah. I love this piece of clothing and it'll sort of lead them into like more of those habits in general definitely and I think also small business businesses as well like I love to work with small businesses that don't even have a huge platform like for example like Gucci or Louis Vuitton but their you know their ethics and their quality of clothing is amazing and mm-hmm. you have small businesses on eBay as well and even some brands I literally find them and scroll have my little look on Instagram I'm like wow they are a really cool brand like even if they've got like a thousand followers on Instagram would be like, you know, I'll buy something from there because I think mm-hmm. supporting small businesses as well is also a lot better. And eBay also has that platform for them. And I think with eBay, it's not just clothes as well. Like you've got, you can buy secondhand Dyson Airwrap, you can literally get anything on there. And I think that's what's so great is that you can also buy something better than new with eBay. You can also get new things on eBay. So I feel like yeah. people just think it's like old stuff, like, you know that from years ago it's like, that's not the case actually you can find like for example H&M had this massive collection called Metaverse or something and it's sold out like that and people are selling on eBay now for like tripled the price though which is crazy yeah. but it's like it goes to show that you can get things for new and I think yeah it's just there's just such a negative look, outlook on people who wear secondhand and I'm trying to break that boundary and break that stigma of like it's not actually embarrassing it's actually if anything it's better it's great that you're doing that mm-hmm. and it's just yeah I think people see it as embarrassing and it's kind of like mm, who wants to wear secondhand kind of thing it's like well it's not it's weird isn't it it's such a perception yeah. it's kind of like it shouldn't be like that and I think me working with eBay is to really break that kind of view that people have on that well perfect we're definitely um I speak for myself and listeners of the podcast I feel like we're generally you know pretty 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 pro secondhand fashion so definitely here (laughs) for that messaging and like bringing that to a whole different audience which is Mm -hmm. essentially what what you will be doing for sure for sure Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions, and the first one comes in from Ellie, who says, As someone who also wears cochlear implants, how did you get the confidence to tell friends about your deafness, as well as things like wearing your hair up and showing off your implant? I've just started uni, and due to bad experiences in the past, I'm finding it really hard to wear my hair up or tell my new friends. Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, I wasn't always confident as a person, you know, during school, I always had my hair down, I've never show it, I never would speak about it. And I think when I got to my kind of like 18, 20s, I think that's kind of where I really started to not compare myself in a negative way. It's hard because like you do do it naturally. And I think, hmm. you know, remember that your cochlear implant does not define you. It's a part of you that's something special and it's something that makes you a bit unique and own that embrace that it makes you so beautiful and it's all about taking baby steps like you have to hang in there and be patient you know confidence doesn't come in a day it takes a while and it's all about working on yourself and building that self-love within yourself and it's really just about trusting the process and don't be too hard on yourself either if you have down days that is also okay and I feel like there's so much pressure of having to be confident and it's like it takes a while and just take baby steps, maybe one day, just wear your hair up. For, if you can get to 10 minutes, that's an incredible achievement. You know, take that achievement. Then the next day, mm-hmm. do it for 20 minutes. And it's all about really taking that confidence, just a little bit day by day. And then that time will just come to you and it will just click in you. And I think that's what happened with me. It just kind of happened. And I just kind of found myself within myself. And I think just keep doing you and just don't put pressure on yourself. And remember no one else is you and that's your biggest power and I always say that is you no one else is really you and that's the best power you can have so own that power and surround yourself with positive people surround yourself with people that lift you up surround yourself with people that are there for you and I'm telling you now your friends will not judge you your friends if they are your true friends they will support you they will love you for who you are and don't be scared I know it's scary to take that first step of telling them but once you tell them you're going to feel that whole weight off your shoulders. That's such lovely advice. I think it's, I mean, that's obviously not an experience I can relate to specifically, but even from my experience of, you know, that time where you start uni does feel so kind of, mm. it's like, it can be quite a time of reinvention because, you know, you're probably in a new place, like in a new area, like with all new people, they don't know your past. So even if you've had bad experiences before, that must feel really scary but you can try and kind of leave those behind you and the new people won't be aware of those so yeah Yeah. I think it it is a good time to yeah to try and 
try and pre- present a bit more confidence in yourself because people won't know that you were not that you weren't confident before no, definitely and I think like honestly people will support you like I've, t- I've told a lot of people and I've, I've not had one bit of like negative person come back to me and be like that's so weird like if, mm. a lot of people think oh my god that is really cool so like you said take it as a new fresh start new chapter and you know use this time to build on yourself for sure yeah I also think sorry I mean this is has obviously just set something off of me <laughs> I feel like you you start uni and it's it's often that thing as well like you might meet people in like the first bit of freshers or something or you meet people on your course Mm. and go through these experiences of like telling people about yourself but also uni is a lot longer than those first like few months when you start like you're going to meet a lot more people like over the course of those numbers of years so even if you feel like you're not 100% comfortable in the group that you found like right at the beginning like there's a lot more of that experience left so I feel like yeah that can can maybe (laughs) buoy people off a little bit yeah definitely I agree with that to be fair Next question is from Shan, who asks, what advice would you give to someone who may not know how to act around a deaf person if they don't know sign language? I know sometimes when people try and help, things sometimes come across as offensive or rude. Okay, that's actually a very good question. I've had it quite a few times where people don't know how to approach me and they're like, I don't know how to approach. And I think if you start thinking like that, then obviously it's going to maybe come across rude or maybe come across Mm. a bit different. So I think... Best advice, obviously I'm hearing impaired, but I thought a deaf person, you know, just tap them on the shoulder lightly. And, you know, if you don't know BSL, you can write it down, you can type it on your phone, or if they can lip read, you can use a diction and really articulate your speech. And then obviously they'd be able to lip read you. But don't think you're being rude. I think, I get I get where you're coming from because it's kind of mm. like you don't want to be like, oh, but honestly, don't be like, just tap them on the shoulder and, you know, and then just say, I don't know BSL. And you, people don't mind you just writing down. It's absolutely fine. Or typing on the phone. Um, I sometimes do that with Andrew. And I don't have my cochrane implant in. And then he's talking to me. I'm like, you just type it on the phone. Because I can't bother putting <laughs> it in at the moment. I'm just like, I'm too tired. Or I, I want a break from it. But yeah, I think I think those are probably the best three top tips, really. And don't be like scared. Like, don't treat them as any different like they're mm-hmm. just they're exactly the same as you and I think if you treat them different then they're going to be a bit like okay well why you kind of do what I mean so I think yeah just be normal like how you usually are yeah and that's good advice and I think it's I I find it important sometimes to kind of include questions like that because I think that's the kind of question mm-hmm. that someone would feel quite awkward to ask even and just to kind of it can be quite uncomfortable to say like I don't really know how to act in this situation so I really appreciate your advice there thank you yeah it's all good (laughs) okay and last question again we've got a a confidency kind of question but in in a different different sort of vein so last question from Tamara who says I love your style so much but how did you become confident enough to wear whatever you wanted and also were you ever worried about what people in your hometown would think when you started influencing and making content oh that's a so that's that kind of that two and one okay yeah so the first half so how did I get confident in what I wear I think how I got confident in what I wear I just think because I'm a dancer so being a dancer you're kind of a very in an industry where people express themselves and people really express 
who they are through clothes, through dancing. And I think the dancing industry may be really more open to that, I think. And I think sometimes you have to take risks with fashion and mm-hmm. that's how you find your style. And for example, there's just a red carpet I did for TV TV Choice Awards, something like that. And I went with like a really cool like cut up suit look and I have like bleached brows and red lips and I thought you know what I'm gonna go for it and Mm -hmm. you know that's that's kind of how I kind of really started to play around with my fashion get confident it's taking those risks and if you take those risks that scare you then you get more confidence in those styles that you wear so I think and obviously, I love to wear joggers as well. So there's days where I literally just go out with a <laughs> pair of joggers. I'm not always like a fashion-like girl walking out of my door. <laughs> but I think it's all about just playing around with it and going out of your comfort zone. If you're normally like a neutral kind of colour girl, go for something with a bit of a pop of colour. That can really start to change it and put you outside the box a little bit. So it's really just about taking that little steps. And if you're normally like a dress person, maybe one night wear trousers and a top and change it up a bit so I think it's all about just going for something you don't usually go for and that's how you find your confidence with the styles that you know and that, that's how you you find so many more different kind of cool styles that you wear and then the confidence just comes with it I guess and then the second half of the question I came from a very small town called Thirsk and it's a very very small town in the countryside sheep and cows and mm-hmm. there's not many people in my town so I actually moved to London about five six years ago and I've been away from home for so many years and I think people in my town knew that I was never going to stay in town I was that kind of girl yeah. that had big dreams to chase and I think people knew that and saw that in me and I think hopefully <laughs> the people in my town are, are proud of me because I've kind of I hope that I've represented my town well because I've come out off desk and gone into my own journey and I think of course people are maybe going to judge you but you have to be like I have to do what's best for me and you know you can't live in thirst to please other people you have to do what what you want to do in life and how you want your life to go so that's why I made that big decision to move to London and that's got me where I am now so I think with content creating and stuff and that's just kind of obviously my job so yeah I think yeah it's weird when I go home as well so it's so crazy to go home but Mm. it really it's just one of those things that you know when you make that big move you know people may judge you because they're still at home in Thirsk but you know I'm not judging them because they made that decision to do that so I just made my decision to be like actually I'm going to go somewhere chase my dreams and that's how I got to where I am now. Well you know I think that's a good lesson isn't it sort of you've just got to do what is right for you and that's kind of the thing yeah I think it's it's quite like it's quite a funny one I feel like with the kind of content and influencing sort of thing in general because it's something that is so everywhere in our society Mm. now and you know everyone's following lots of different people and it's it's kind of you see a lot of the content but you don't see a huge amount of what goes into it and how it gets made so it'll be the kind of thing where you might see someone's you know outfit photo on Instagram or something and it seems completely normal but if you see someone on the street like stopping to take like content pictures and things it still seems like it's something really odd so I think there's still that bit of a disconnect between sort of how the sausage gets made you know like we don't want to see the process of it and it feels like it's maybe can feel like it's a bit weirder when it's someone you know 
Yeah. But everyone's consuming that content anyway. So like if they're yeah. judging it, it just it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I think a lot of people see influencing as not a real job. And that's mm-hmm. probably one of the sentences that, you know, upsets me because it's like so much effort and hard work goes into content creation and people think it takes five minutes boom like you've got the picture you've got the video you've got the content like sometimes it can take a whole day sometimes it can take a week and a lot of people think it's so easy but trust me when I came out of the filler I was like I wasn't sure how it's gonna go and I literally look back on the six months I'm like wow that was a lot of hard work it really mm-hmm. is hard work to constantly stay on top of it and doing other things as well like when you're working with brands multiple brands you're having to do content for them and it's like there's so much that goes into it it's crazy Mm -hmm. really is crazy which again I think is a good thing a good thing to mention like because it's it's something that so many people want to Mm. do like nobody's saying it's brain surgery like but it's also not Mm -hmm. super easy like just because it's not a hard job doesn't mean there aren't parts of it that are hard or you don't have to put work into it if you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests then follow us on instagram or twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com before you go i've got three things i ask every guest and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about could you please recommend us something to read something to listen to and something to watch Okay, something to read is the Bridgerton book. I actually read this when I was in quarantine. I it is so much better in the book than on the screen. I think I really enjoyed really? it. Yeah, it was really good. I finished it in like two days. <laughs> <laughs> and then something to watch. This is actually quite interesting. The Traitors on BBC. It's a really interesting twist on like a game kind of show so yeah the traitors i don't want to give the plot away because i give it away but it's really really good mm-hmm. and something to listen to is the ceo of diaries is that what it's called ceo of diaries with steven uh diary of a ceo that's it Di- got you the way around i listen to that sometimes i think he's a really great inspirational man and he has amazing guests on there as well that are very inspirational and share their experiences so i really enjoy listening to his podcast sometimes thank you for listening and thank you tasha for joining me if you enjoyed the episode i would love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and if you're feeling generous you can leave a rating and a review as well see you next week ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.